Hello, friends. Welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to build your faith and equip you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. If you would, take a moment to like or follow this podcast on your favorite streaming service so you won't miss an inspiring episode. Psalm 89.15 says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. My guest, Vicki Guillory, is a sweet friend with a servant heart of compassion who has learned about the ministry of presence. Whether it's reaching out to neighbors, opening her home to exchange students, ministering to a family with a health crisis, providing chaplaincy support for law enforcement deputies, or being a tangible expression of God's love to those in prison, Vicki is always tuned in to how she can meet a need by her presence. And in serving, the Lord has met her with his presence. Welcome, Vicki. Thank you, Jody. Thanks for having me here. You grew up in a strong Christian family, but found yourself struggling with a variety of issues in your teens, as many of us do, because Christianity was just doctrine to you at that point. Give us some background on that. My parents gave me a good foundation uh, as far as biblical foundation. We, you know, went to church uh, every week uh, and sometimes several times during the week. So we had a really good foundation. I did not really connect with the spirit of God uh, until a little bit later on. So with that being said, I think I was more into just doing what was right uh, versus, um, that relationship with the Lord. Kind of the letter of the law rather than the spirit of the law. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, but you know what? My parents got me on a journey. So that's the good thing. I kind of look at, you know, just the way that they raised us and put us on that journey, uh, beginning to learn about the Bible. When we're in that legalistic faith, Mm -hmm. so to speak, it's not really even faith, it's legalism. We're trying to earn our way to heaven. We can get rebellious, can't we? Because we don't like all the rules. And God's not a God of rules. He's a God of love. But so often, particularly when we're young and growing, we start rebelling against mm-hmm. rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that can that can lead us to challenges in our lives, mm-hmm. which you experienced a few in your young life. Well, I did experience, yeah, just going through that period of rebellion. I remember, you know, times of just being deceitful with my parents. Mm-hmm. Also, I just even got myself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, thank God it wasn't a major thing, but, you know, I did have my, my, my brief encounter with law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, you know, it was just kind of a, a learning experience, an eye-opener for me as I was still on this journey of just trying to figure things out. So even though you didn't have that personal relationship with the Lord at the time, he was still working in your life, changing your attitudes and your mm-hmm. misperceptions. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about some of that. Growing up, a good part of that was kind of during the civil rights era. Mm -hmm. And so even though we as a family wasn't involved in it, you know, you hear different things on the news. So I'm getting information off the streets, so so to speak. So I started developing, I think, my own prejudices as far as uh, race and things like that go. And so the Lord, as God was working through me, I had to come to the realization, I think probably beginning in high school, Mm. that there had to be some shifting in my thinking. I eventually, after kind of having a fight with a person of another race, (laughs) yeah, and it was just crazy. Uh, The person that I ended up in the 
principal's office with after the fight, uh, we actually became great friends. So, you know, so, you know, that part worked out. And then as I moved uh, into early adulthood, just started meeting more people. My parents had also started going from a, say, all black church, because, you know, for a period of time, there was total segregation. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we ended up going to a church that was um, all white. So we were like the first family to uh, integrate the all white church. And I would say for the most part, looking back on it, uh, the reception of people were just really wonderful. There were, you know, a few hiccups here and there, definitely some big hiccups, but it's okay. Cause looking back on it, I recognize that, you know, people, no matter who they are, uh, what background they come from, people can be very caring um, in the body of Christ. Yeah. And we're all on a journey of being sanctified, right? Amen. So, you know, when we get saved, we're not immediately like Jesus. Yeah. I mean, we have the clothing of Jesus on the outside, but Mm -hmm. on the inside, it takes him a while to work it all out. Right. Like he was working in you. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's working in a lot of other people too. After college, you went to Beaumont, Texas. What took you there and what what got you and you there? Yeah, after college, I actually did work for a little bit in Houston, then for all company. The all company kind of went belly flop there uh, back in the, I guess, the... 80s, early 80s, 80s. early 80s, yeah. 80s, right. I ended up, I had already kind of been in contact with some friends who were at a church in Beaumont. And I grew up Church of Christ. So a lot of this would be Church of Christ. So, and I love the ministry there. So I went ahead, moved there and kind of got involved with the college ministry there, even though I had just pretty much gotten out of college, but I was still kind of in the age group. God just started kind of opening more of his word mm. uh, to me. And it beca- starting to become more real. Yeah. So it started moving from that legalism into really a relationship. Learning. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and God at that point also started opening your heart to serve and care for people because mm. you were working at a home, right? Yes. I was working at uh, Buckner's Children's Village in, in Beaumont. A very good experience. It was tough. It was very tough mm. because... I, being single at the time, I was in two homes. One was for girls, one was for boys. Each home had 16 children. Here I am, a residential childcare worker, you know, kind of like a mom, so to speak, quote unquote, to uh, 16 girls at one time for a period of time. Wow. And then it could be 16 boys. <laughs> it's a little whiplash and, there. <laughs> and I'm kind of going in between, which do I prefer? <laughs> It was a good experience. And then just learning, I think being around the kids and in a sense, developing a mother heart toward them, even though I was still in my twenties and just growing in that way, the heart, just the heart of learning the kids, the trials that they were going through, because these kids were there because in a sense, they really didn't have uh, any, a home to go to where they needed to be safe. And then there were a few kids too that had come from, there was turmoil, I think in Ethiopia. So we had quite a few of the Mm. Ethiopian children too. Wow. So that, that was, uh, I look back on that as such a blessing and I'm still in contact actually with one of them. So that's amazing. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you had real diverse background of the children and the issues that right, they had right. faced already at a young age. Mm-hmm. So God was giving you really an understanding of hurt mm-hmm. and what it what it means to be present for people. So God eventually took you out of Beaumont mm-hmm. and led you to Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. And there you met your husband. 
I did. <clears throat> Share how that transpired and what God was doing in you during that time. Uh, in a sense, did not want to leave Beaumont because I loved it there. But the way things were transpiring, I did end up in Austin, and that was probably one of the best decisions. I started working for the Attorney General's office at the time and uh, went to the orientation. And of course, you know, there's several other people uh, coming on board there that was in August of 84. And so that's when I first saw my, didn't know he would be my husband's husband. (laughs) So, you know, but eventually he and I became friends. This was probably maybe a year or so later after we both started working, uh, going through that same orientation together. I didn't even meet him at the orientation, but we eventually met uh, and then we became friends. We became friends for two or three years and then the, the relationship developed uh, in that period of time, and we decided, hey, do you think there's more to this relationship than just friendship? So. Also during that time, you opened your home to an exchange student. I did, and I honestly don't know how that happened, but it, it happened. Uh, had a young lady come stay uh, from Italy. Her name was Sada. She stayed with me for a summer, and just a great experience, you know. And, and I think I really started learning with having her in my home, started really learning about the different cultures mm. that was out there, because I never, I never really thought about traveling overseas to other countries and all of that. I'm a yeah. Texas girl. So anyway, um, but... But I think that's what opened my heart. She left after that summer. I lost track of her, and I always wondered what had happened to her during, you know, during the course of, of decades. Yeah. And some, she made contact with me through um, Messenger, looking for me, and we finally connected just a couple of months ago. Reconnected. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, that's yeah. precious. So she was seventeen at the time back then, and now she, I think you know she's like in her. Her 50s, yeah. yeah, and what a sweet time for you to be able to sow into her life mm-hmm. when she's at such an impressionable age, too, yeah. <clears throat> and share not only American culture, but also your faith. Yes, yes. She's a sweet young lady. Yeah. So you and Tony continued uh, after you got married. Mm-hmm. You continued to open your home and you actually became foster parents. How did God lead you into that? Because you had been kind of a foster mom before to all the children in, in the home in Beaumont. But mm-hmm. now this is bringing in some little ones yeah. in your own home. Right. <laughs> I can't imagine having little ones come into your home knowing that they're probably going to be taken away from, mm-hmm. you know, because right. obviously the goal is reunification with their right. parents. Right, exactly, exactly. That's just heart-wrenching. I guess it was just maybe the way God has made me mm-hmm. to be able to just accept the kids or accept people in um, in a capacity like that. Just try to take care of them. It's kind of like when you see that need with them, you just do what you can as far as taking care of them and hoping that maybe the little seeds has been planted, even though I may not see them again. I will admit, though, that when it was time for them to go, it is very hard, very, very difficult. You know, and we didn't we didn't adopt many. OK, yeah. it was a few a handful. But yeah, because you do bond with the kids, the kids bond with you. Yeah. And so you just have to trust that God's going to take care of them when they do leave the home. But something special happened through your fostering. You ended up actually adopting one. We did. But that was really even kind of a surprise 
So tell us how that transpired. He wasn't one of your foster children originally. Right, right. So being around in the foster community, we knew other foster parents. So there was one family that had a little boy. We met him. It was like a foster parent party. And I'm just realizing that that was today. It was December the 22nd. (laughs) And it was the first time I saw him. We took pictures of him, actually. I got pictures with him when he was just a little baby. It's like Mm. about five months old. But we would babysit him for the foster parents. Eventually, at that time, he wasn't up for, for, for adoption. But eventually, it was working out where... He was up for adoption just through the course of going through the process of of adoption, adopting a baby. We did adopt him. So he kind of knew us, Uh you know, uh, as a baby (laughs) because we had been babysitting him. But even the foster agency? Yeah, even (laughs) they, the staff, Mm -hmm. they kind of had. Yeah, it was just so, I think it was just a God thing Mm -hmm. because one of the caseworkers, when she first saw my child is a baby. She told the caseworker that was involved with him, with, you know, mm-hmm. he's part of her casework. So the other caseworker, that is a Guillory baby. And I didn't even know that at the time. She didn't tell me this until after we had him. But and you hadn't even had started the adoption right, process. Yeah, had, hadn't started, but it was like, yeah, that is a Guillory baby. But I remember on one Sunday, late Saturday night, Sunday morning, I had a dream it was the, of a young man who uh, had nothing to do with this, but he was just in the dream. And he uh, was be, he was walking behind Tony and I, and he called out our, our names. And he said, Vicky, Tony. And he had a little baby boy in his arms. Aww. And he says, can you take this little boy and raise him? His mom cannot care for him mm. at this time. So God just orchestrated that mm-hmm. whole story because you had opened your heart. I mean, you had opened your heart to be the presence of Jesus wherever he had called you, whether mm-hmm. it's opening your home to an exchange student or being a house mother to 16 little boys or 16 little girls, yeah. <laughs> or you had even served in Austin in in child protection cases, hadn't you? A child advocacy or was that later? That was in Houston. Okay. Right. It with child advocate. That was after Tony and I mm-hmm. yeah, we were married at the time. So yeah, living living in Houston. And we did do uh, I was a court appointed advocate yeah. for the children in CPS custody. Yes. Yeah. And that's yeah. making sure that their needs are cared for in the legal process. Exactly. Yeah. Instead of just lawyers wrangling. So I was the, it kind of the objectional, yeah, just for the party, for the child. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you had the attorneys on one side, attorneys on the other side, you had the judge, whoever the uh, judge was, they basically would, since we the objective uh, entities in it, they would listen to what we had to say as far as the future of that child. So God has just moved you in a a wide variety mm-hmm. of ways mm-hmm. to to minister a lot to children, yes. but to others as well. Mm-hmm. So you finally did adopt yes, Markel. Yes, we, ad- we adopted Markel, yes. <laughs> and just spent several years raising him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then came a season of struggle. Tony became ill very mm-hmm. unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. So what happened? I know that was a hard season. And what did you learn and how did you get through that time? may have been around three or four years old. And then we um, realized that, yes, he, Tony had developed some health issues, basically was needing to get on a transplant for a new liver. It's kind of a 
blur. It was so much going on because the process was just so long. So by the time he got on the uh, process to get the liver, it was probably about nine, 10 months later before he actually did get a call. We got the call mm. for, for a liver. And he his his body, you could tell his body was just get was getting weaker uh, due, due to the uh, liver go- going bad. We were surrounded by great family, you know, mom, dad, brothers, you know, uh, also the church community we were a part of at the time. That was like one big great family too. In a sense, I think God used them to carry us mm. uh, through it. Yeah. And not just my family, it was Tony's family too. It was just amazing how everyone just in a sense was there for us at the times we needed, mm. you know, yeah. just and so many uh, of those friends basically was living the other part of our lives that still needed to kind of go on, you know, yeah. get things done uh, as far as bills and taking care of Markel at times. He, you know, he may need to go stay with certain people while Tony was in the hospital, th- those type of things. So God, God really um, provided that source that we needed yeah. Yeah, at the time. There's a scripture, I believe it's in Isaiah 58, where it talks about if you will mm-hmm. give your bread to the hungry, if you will reach out and help other people, then when you're in need, mm. the Lord will answer quickly. Mm. And that's really, I mean, that just came wow. to mind as you were telling that story. Wow. I mean, yeah. you have given all of your life really mm-hmm. to others in need. And then when it was your time, mm-hmm. the Lord surrounded you mm-hmm. with support mm-hmm. and help in yes. your time of need. Um, and Tony made it through that surgery. Yes. And you had several more years with him. Yes. And I love what you shared that you learned during that time when he was in the hospital, how important it was to just treasure the moments together. How did you do that? When he did leave the hospital uh, after the transplant and we kind of, you know, went through the weeks of him recovering and, you know, gradually getting back to work. There was a shifting I know that happened with me when it came to what's really important and what's not. Yeah. And uh, so just some things that used to just really kind of get on my nerves or I may get angry with quickly. I, you know, I kind of got to that point of, oh, you know, oh, well, that's that. Not that I don't get angry and still, I, you know, that yeah. still comes at times. But I think God has just helped me to put things in perspective and give grace, yeah. you know, just giving grace to people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and uh, I loved you. Um, you like would go and have lunch with him in his office. Absolutely. And, yeah. And you know, take every moment to share that time. <laughs> right. Together right. And, uh, yeah. I, yeah. We, we would do that. That was special moments. Sometimes I try to tell him, you don't have to work today. Why don't you just come <laughs> and we can go out, drive out to the country. And he was like, Vicky, I need to work. I'm like, okay. So he, he was the workaholic. Yeah. You know, I was the playaholic. But you're right. You know, I would sometimes go and meet him up mm-hmm. at his office. And before, you know, he might be trying to finish something up. Uh, before we went to lunch. But I, I just remember even thinking up there, I say, you know, just take advantage of this time because you don't know how much time you'll have. And I'm, I'm grateful I've done that. You yeah. know, I don't have any regrets with that. Presence factor, the, once again, you yeah. know, your presence together yeah. was so important. And I, I look at your life and I see how presence mm-hmm. has always mm-hmm. been something the Lord has worked in you mm-hmm. and for you and through you. Mm-hmm. That's, boy, that is what people need today mm-hmm. after COVID and so much separation. We need to learn the yes. importance of presence again. Yes. You know, don't yes. we? Yes. Eventually, Tony did go to be with the Lord. Yes, nine years later. Mm-hmm. And you were left then as a single parent. Mm-hmm. Markel was a preteen boy at the time. Mm-hmm. 
um, life was probably very busy (laughs) even then, you did feel the Lord's presence. Can you share a little bit about that time? Widowhood is particularly difficult. Right. Um, right. And when you have, you know, a child who's grieving the loss of a parent too. Yes. Share what the Lord did or spoke to you or how you just, how he carried you through that time. How he carried me is I'm still kind of amazed, you know, because sometimes it's like, it's almost like you can't explain it, but you know, he did. Again, I think through people, Mm. the support of the church, the support, again, of family members, even people on his job, Mm. you know, just stayed in constant contact through the years, Uh, even to this day, uh, stay in contact. You know, you kind of go along with life and do what you need to do to Mm -hmm. get things done. At the same time, recognize that the word he has put in me okay, is this going to be, is this real to me or is it not? Yeah. Okay. That's one of the things that I wanted to, I guess, not necessarily show, but just live that the faith is going to be solid. I want my faith to be solid, whether it's good times going on or if it's not so good times going on. That's what I want. We have to trust in the Lord yeah. with all our heart, lean uh-huh. not on our own understanding and yes. all our ways acknowledge him. And then he will direct our paths. Exactly. And boy, I I mean, when you're going through a hard time, you sure want your path directed by the Lord because it's so easy to step into even worse times. If we go down with our own imaginations, with our own fears and let them overtake us. But if we're directed by the Lord, then we do find at some point the path getting brighter, don't we? And you know, one thing I did learn through that this, you know, because you're reading the Bible about the path of righteousness. So I'd always thought that path of righteousness was when good stuff was happening. Yeah. And then he taught me going through that the path of righteousness is not always going to be where I'm laughing and having a good time and, you know, things are going well. Yeah. That path of righteousness is going to be heartache. It's going to be some serious struggles and it will continue to be, but that's his path of righteousness because that's, that's what Christ, yeah, that's what Christ went through. He doesn't waste those heartaches. I mean, he carries Mm -hmm. us through them, but he doesn't waste them. He, 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 once he teaches us and heals us, Mm -hmm. obviously he doesn't want us Mm -hmm. with gaping wounds Mm -hmm. open, but Mm -hmm. once he heals us, then he turns around and shows us others who need to be shown the way. That has happened too. I mean, if I can even share that, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I remember a few weeks after we had buried Tony, I was with some friends. We'd gone down just to kind of get away beach house. But anyway, we stopped uh, in a small community, but we stopped at a Denny's. It was so crowded. And this one of the lady that waited on us, she wasn't smiling or mm-hmm. anything like that, but she wasn't rude or anything. But something in my spirit saying, you know, something's not right. And it was actually around this time of year because mm. we buried Tony uh, j- just after Thanksgiving. Mm. So anyway, she waited on us. You know, we, everybody got to leave. It was several of us. They all left. So as I was walking out, I told them, I said, y'all, I'll be out in just a bit. So I went back into the restaurant to find her. I uh, found her at the register and I said, I said, I know you don't know me. I said, I don't know what's going on. I said, but is there anything that I can be praying for you for? Oh. And she just looked at me and just started crying. She said, yeah, she said, I lost my husband not too long ago. And so I just prayed with her right then. But that was that scripture that says God will comfort you. Mm. 
he will comfort you so that you in turn can go and comfort others. Yeah. He taught me a major lesson that day. So ever since then, I just, you know, I, in a sense, I pray that God will help me recognize yeah. when people are going through stuff like that. That did happen. And, and he, that was a major lesson for me yeah. to, be, to be aware. Even in the midst of, of your own grief, yes. the Lord opened your eyes to that, which yeah. is to be applauded that amazing. you actually saw someone yeah. else yeah. and were able to reach out out of your own grief, which yeah. is what God calls us to do. I mean, yeah. it's a hard thing. Yeah, uh, Walking the Christian life is not for the faint hearted. I mean, God always <laughs> gives us the strength we need when we rely on him, but <laughs> it's not a life of ease and comfort always. Right. I mean, sometimes we have ease and comfort, but yeah. not always. Yeah. <laughs> I look forward, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if it was all easy comfort, we'd be lazy. <clears throat> right. You know, friends, there are widows and orphans all over the world who have special needs that we as a company of women can meet together. Would you consider joining us with a special gift to help them? Just go to hergodstory.org and click on the widow and orphan tab at the top of the page. Vicki, as you got your bearings a bit, your first instinct was really to find ways to serve others again. I mean, you just shared mm. the story of, you know, asking a waitress if you could pray for her, which is mm -hmm. a powerful thing. Mm. But you invested even more of your life mm -hmm. uh, and God started opening some unique doors for you. Tell us about some of the things you've done. I mean, how did he open the door for you to start working in the prison, for instance? Okay, well, yeah, spent some really good years at uh, with Harris County at the jail there. Kind of backing up a bit, I had come across Beth Moore that has this um, Bible study called Breaking Free. And I went through it and it just impacted me so much. I started thinking, I had never even thought like this before, but I started thinking about women that were in jail mm. and I'm like, they, they, they need to hear this, you know, literally not only just breaking free from, you know, being out of jail, but you know, in our minds, we just can be prisoners in the minds and, and what leads us maybe to jail. And then of course the experience I had back way back then, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't know how to go about doing that. No clue. I went to uh, one of the local churches there one uh, Sunday evening, which I had never done before because I was not a member of their church. Uh -huh. But for whatever, you know, I just went and I grabbed one of their bulletins that they had passed out that morning that was still in, you know, there. And then I went through that service and then I went home. So I didn't even think about the bulletins, maybe until a couple of weeks later. And I was kind of throwing things away. So I picked up the bulletin, getting ready to toss it. And I just kind of flipped through it a bit. And on the back page of it, it had, we're looking for volunteers to take Breaking Free Bible Study into Harris County Jail. Exactly what God had put on your heart. I know, exactly. And I just like, you know, it's, you know, you, 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 you kind of lose your breath like, wow. So yeah. it had the contact information. And that's how I started going into the, the jail and I did Breaking Free. And it, it was just one of a life changing things for me. Yeah. And that experience, I mean, you, you worked in the prison for several years. In the jail. Mm -hmm. In the jail mm -hmm. uh, for several years. And then the Lord opened another door for you mm -hmm. out of that to mm -hmm. be actually a chaplain for right. law enforcement, which is on the other side of yeah. the law. Um, and and just explain how that Crazy, happened. Huh? And I mean, you're doing both at the same time. And yeah. what God was really speaking to you in the midst of you yeah. being mm -hmm. that minister of presence in both in both situations. Okay. But a little bit part of that too is being at somebody cares. 
uh, there was a chaplaincy training. Mm-hmm. So I went through that and that was really great being able to do that uh, through. So, so that kind of got me started as far as the training, you know, mm-hmm. uh, part of it goes. And, and just explain, just stop here for a moment mm-hmm. for people who might not understand what a chaplain is. I mean, you think of a chaplain, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in a hospital or you mm-hmm. think of a chaplain in the military mm-hmm. and the chaplains in the military really are the pastors. Mm-hmm. They're just called chaplains. But what are you talking about when you're saying a chaplain? I mean, were you okay. ordained? What, what, you know, what is a chaplain that you're talking That's about? That's a good question because honestly, I didn't know either. So yeah. there you go. Basically, as a chaplain, I'm not, I would say necessarily like uh, ordained, some are. Mm-hmm. We are there as a support, a spiritual support in whatever capacity is needed. Um, in my case, I was at uh, a jail ministry chaplain mm-hmm. volunteering there. And then eventually uh, the sheriff at the time wanted to, thought it would be good to have chaplains in the car, patrol cars. So I became what they would, uh, what we call a patrol chaplain, chaplain. Mm-hmm. And I would ride the uh, shifts with the deputies there. And we would, are there to be that spiritual support for the deputies, but also for the community mm-hmm. so that the deputies could do their jobs while they're out on the scenes. Yeah. And I we, mean, you think about it, as I've heard from mm-hmm. other chaplains, you know, when deputies go to a, a crime scene, mm-hmm. they're tasked with identifying what happened. Yes. And oftentimes there are family and friends who are grieving, yes, upset, and the deputies are having to deal with all sorts of emotions. Right. There might be someone on scene that's aggressive and needs to be handled in a police mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then somebody else needs comfort and care. Right. And so that's one of the things that you were really able to and have been able to uh, serve as. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, just a few days ago, I was called out on a scene of a uh, the suicide of a 15-year-old. Mm. And yeah, just 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 about a week ago. And I get out there, the deputy, you know, kind of gives me a little briefing of, mm-hmm. of what's going on. And so I just go to the family and they across the street at another neighbor's house because the scene is being processed inside, you know, the home. I meet the mom and dad and, and other family members, the brother. I'm just there and I, I let them know, you know, I'm there for them. I will pray, you know, get the opportunity. I'll, you know, ask, find out for sure, you know, if I, if it's okay with them, if I can pray. And it, it, with this particular family, they were open. They were not believers, mm-hmm. but they were open. And then they wanted the rest of the family members and neighbors that were there to just gather that we all could pray together. So it, it's those type of things. Yes. While the, the law enforcement are doing their duties, mm-hmm. We can just be there, I guess, kind of as a, a buffer emotionally, spiritually, yeah. uh, in whatever capacity. And oftentimes just having someone present with them mm-hmm. exactly. makes all the difference. Yes. They're and, not and, yeah. mm-hmm. they're not alone. They're not grieving alone. They're not right. wondering alone. They're not I mean, not that you have all the answers, but, right. exactly. but you're there. And that's it, you know, and I'll I'll let often I'll let people just like with this family when we started to pray, I'll just let them know I don't have answers for you. You know, but you know, I, I can pray uh and because we don't know. You know, we don't know. What can you say? Right. You know, what can you really say? I've been on, uh, been also been called to scenes where 
a wife has become a widow, mm. you know, husband passed away right then and there. Uh, and just being able to be that level of support. And then because of what I went through and, and when they realized I'm a widow, because sometimes I'll, I'll share that. I don't share often, yeah. but, you know, in cases kind of like that, I'll let them know, okay, you know, I've kind of been there. And they, it's like you can just see kind of a bit of relief coming off of them, even though it's still a, a really a tough situation at the moment. And I've I've developed some relationships uh, with some a, a few of these people, even years later, yeah, you know, with with them, still keeping contact. I mean, you've shared some hard situations there, mm-hmm. uh, there, but I know you've seen God do some amazing things during your ministry times in the jail, as mm-hmm. well as mm-hmm. in other situations, mm-hmm. serving as a chaplain with law enforcement. Open your door to exchange students. I mean, I know you've seen God do some amazing mm-hmm. things. Share mm-hmm. one or two that maybe wow. encourage. <laughs> our listeners to step out and do what God's placed on their heart. Well, I guess one of the things as far as the jail ministry goes, um, I remember on one occasion, you know, just we were, it was a room of women, you know, we had circled around and we were praying and we've always kind of been trying to keep your eyes open when you pray, (laughs) but you know, sometimes you automatically close. That's what you used to doing. But I remember we were praying, heads bowed. And I, and I, and I remember, oh, my eyes are closed. So I opened my eyes up even though our heads were bowed. And right when I opened my eyes out, I just saw tears falling from some of the women, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, the inmate women there. And that's one of one thing that has, I mean, so many things, but things that impacted me because it's like the heart of these women, even though they're in circumstances that got them to where they are, yeah. they want better. They want better for their lives. The most of them do. Yeah. Okay? And I don't know. Sometimes I do know what got them there. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes they'll share. Sometimes they won't. But it's okay. God has like, in a sense, through them taught me his grace uh-huh. because so many of them have shown grace to me when, you know, when I'm there and, you know, something mess up with whatever, a song or whatever, you know, and, and they're, they're, they're just, you know, I just learned so much from them. So I remember you mentioned one time that you kind of had a long-term relationship with one woman who was in solitary confinement. You obviously didn't, the end, you don't know the end of her story necessarily, but you mm-hmm. saw some growth and change in her mm-hmm. um, over your time of of ministry. Yes, yes. There there was a young lady and actually for a period of for several years I was in the area of where the women were in solitary confinement. Those relationships for the most part was in between windows and doors, you yeah. know. But just taking the word and I think one of my things that God was just teaching me just taking hope, you know, you know, it's it's about giving them some hope. And so they started developing and she would develop, started developing more and more of of a hunger for God. And Mm. she started sharing things with me that she, you know, had been reading. And it's all through, you know, solitary confinement. There were occasions when the detention officers would let the women out maybe once or two at a time, something like that uh, with with solitaire. So she eventually was transferred onto the prisons, the state prison system. She actually wrote me a letter and then she remembered I had shared one of Doug Stringer's books and it may have been 
Who's your daddy now? Who's your daddy now? Yeah. Thank you. She ended up writing a letter to him of mm-hmm. how that, you know, had, had impacted him. I, that was so many years ago. I almost forgot about it. Yeah, but it really yeah, changed her the, life. Yes. She actually accepted Jesus. Absolutely. Through yeah. that. Absolutely. And then, I mean, initially she was yeah. hard hearted and. Yeah, because coming in, and, and it's not even just her. I remember one, yeah. you know, another young lady, she, I mean, she couldn't say anything without having a string of profanity words. Yeah. I saw her transforming too. Mm. And I'm like, wow, you know, and it, she would actually go when, I, you know, when I would come there, she would go pretty much the whole time, even if something did come out of her mouth, she would like apologize. But she, and she started sharing things, how the word was just changing in her. So I'm not sure where she is now, but, you know, she's one of those women that I think about that I saw transformation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was good. God calls some to water and some to plant and yeah. some to, you know, some to reap. Yeah. yeah. And you've had a little bit of each. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, I don't know if I have time to share this, yeah. but sometimes, you know, when you go and doing these things, you know, and, and just going in, you don't see any results yeah. or anything from it. And then you start thinking, well, is this even making a difference? Yeah. And I was really struggling for a little bit there, you know, a period of time, like, you know, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to get this up. Da, 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 da. But my other friend, her name is Vicky, who we were going in together mm-hmm. um, for a period of time, ministering to the ladies. She had, she had gone out, she had gone to hear Bethmore speak with some friends and then afterward they had gone out to a restaurant to eat. And so as they were ordering their food, they were, you know, talking about, you know, the lesson and all of that, just all bubbly. So the waitress told them, you guys, you ladies sure are happy here. You know, what are y'all doing or where are y'all been? So they explained to her yeah. about, you know, we went to hear Bethmore and she said, Oh, she said, you know, that's awesome. I was in Harris County Jail, and there were two women that came in, and both of their names were Vicky. One was black, one was white, but they came in and ministered to me while I'm in the jail. She said, and that lesson, and I don't know what the lesson was, but that lesson that they shared that day, she said, I made up my mind then to change my life and turn it around. Wow. And this was just in a restaurant in Houston. And it was Vicky, the other Vicky. <laughs> and it was the other Vicky. Yeah, because that's how we would kind of identify ourselves, the black Vicky, the white Vicky. You know, I mean, other people identify us like yeah. that. And, but, you know, we, we, we worked well together. And, but God used that. Mm-hmm. But, but when she told me that story, because Vicky did not know that I was kind of, you know, like, is this, does it, you know, are we doing any good here? Yeah. When she told me that, I say, oh, Vicky, I say, thank you for sharing that. I needed it. Yeah. Because you just don't know. And the same thing is kind of even with the patrol chaplaincy thing, you know, being in the community, working with the deputies, does any of this really matter? Yeah. But God is, is teaching me, you know, it's like periodically he just puts something out there. Yeah. It's like, yep, you're still, <laughs> you're Everyone still doing what you Everyone shines a little light he saying, does. see that? Yeah. See that? Yeah. It's growing. He gives, he gives, yeah, gives me, you keep, keep going with it. Yeah. So Vicki, what would you say to people who are struggling with where God has them right now? I mean, they could be in any kind of circumstance. They could mm-hmm. be, they could be grieving the loss of somebody mm-hmm. or they could be struggling in ministry that they just like you were at one point, what has really helped you? What are some of those lessons that God's woven into your life Mm -hmm. that can help others? One would be never give up. 
And that's something I try to share, even at roll call periodically or, or with the deputies, because um, I remember going into Austin and I was kind of having one of those moments of, OK, I'm, I want to just forget all this. Right. But I got to this. I exited off the freeway and there was this construction area going on on one of the blocks of the construction in big black letters. It had never, ever give up. Okay. And and that's what I said. Huh? Okay. (laughs) So it's when I'm having those moments, I think about that. So that's what I try to tell people to just sharing the lessons God teaches me, even through just regular stuff like that. He teaches me through the Bible. He teaches me through uh, sermons. He teaches me through songs, but he teaches me through his creation. And he teaches me through, you know, a writing on a wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like never, ever give up. So that's one of the things I just try to share with people into God has this plan mm. and whatever path, that uh, he has you on, you know, just just continue to go for. You may detour or whatever. He may have you on a detour, but just know that he's still wherever you are. He still has this plan yeah. for you, for his kingdom purposes. And he's there when you call. You know, yeah. I mean, I think there are a few times when you were just like, mm-hmm. is it making a difference? Yeah. What am I doing, Lord? <laughs> And whenever you had cried out in that, even if it was just in your heart, yeah. you know, in your mind, God answers. Yes, he, he does answer. And in so many different ways, too. It's, it's, it's just amazing. You know, sometimes it could even just be in a sunset or mm. a sunrise. Yeah. You know, I, I, I remember even being out on the beach one time and it was early morning. I was singing, shout to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And but this happened, but this has really happened. But that part in the song that says about promises that you have for me. Uh-huh. And as I was singing that part of the song, saying those words, a rainbow just totally appeared in the sky. Wow. It was not there, but it totally appeared in the sky. And I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. You know? What confirmation. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. The promises that he has. So Vicki, there are so many amazing women in the Bible. Um, um, is there one whose story has inspired or encouraged or taught you something? And how mm-hmm. does her story relate to yours? It's so many, you know, because I think in different stages of my life or different seasons, there's probably been different yeah. women. So if I got to pick one... <laughs> Which I could pick about five or six. Yeah, but, you can but, share more but than but one. Me, but one run, I think one that really stands out for me right now is the lady who was at the well, mm. this Mary lady. And 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 the reason I guess it maybe kind of sticks out now because I've watched that chosen oh, yeah. thing. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, wow, you know, my background was not like hers. Mm-hmm. I think we go through times and I go through times where I may be feeling empty mm-hmm. uh, or dry. Mm-hmm. And when I recognize that's what's going on, it's like I can go to the word, go to God, go if I need to just go, even if it's an hour, two hours away and just be still before him. It's like God refreshes me. And sometimes he just he he just it, it happens in such a way. Sometimes it's those real gentle ways. Sometimes it's in those really like wild ways, like, say, with the rainbow yeah, <laughs> approaching yeah. in the sky. I've tried to, I'm looking at that. It's like, 
I will share with people. I want to go tell people what he's done. Like, you got to come see this. You know, what she says in the Bible, go come see a man. I want people to see him. You know, I had that experience even at the jail. You know, uh, come see a man. Just wanting to let people know, you know, about this this Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And not in a preachy way, because I'm not a preachy person. You know, and I don't want to be in a judgmental way, but just in his grace. And just know that it's it's him. It's not just say a religious activity or a church activity. It's him. It's a relationship. Back to that. Yes. Yeah. It's exactly. His, it's his presence walking with you because yeah. that makes all the difference. Yeah. Huh? So Vicky has discovered that the Lord is present in her life no matter what she's going through. Psalm 125.2 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Not only is the Lord with us, he Mm -hmm. surrounds those who are his. Mm -hmm. If you've never put your faith in Jesus, there is no better time than now. Romans 10, 9 through 11 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. He rescues us from darkness and despair and transfers us into Mm. his kingdom where we have forgiveness and where we have life. Mm. We're adopted into his family and we can be sure that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. If you want that relationship, just talk to God. Let him know you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again, defeating Satan. Then submit your life to him. Mm -hmm. It's a personal relationship you're starting. It's not legalism. So use your own words. He'll understand. Or call our prayer line at 855-459-CARE and one of our volunteers will be happy to pray with you. Vicki, would you take a moment and pray with everyone who listens to this amazing God story? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, thank you so much uh, just for this time, just being able to share this opportunity. Lord, right now, God, just I just want to lift up Every person, uh, every woman, Heavenly Father, who may be listening uh, to this podcast, that God, you will put it in them to know you, that your presence is with them, Heavenly Father, that taking that time to be still before you, to know you, it's what we all need, Heavenly Father, to know that you are the God of hope. So God, even as your word tells us that you are God of grace, you're God of mercy, you are God of forgiveness, but God, you are God that wants to have that relationship uh, with us. You are calling us like every moment of the day. So help us, Lord, yeah, to just 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 take that time, be still, and fill fill each woman, God, with your joy and peace as they learn to trust in you, God. Thank you again for who you are. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for salvation. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. In our show notes at hergodstory.org, you'll find links to scriptures and other helpful information. And don't forget our free six-week devotional on Women of the Bible. It's downloadable on our website. You can also purchase a 12-week devotional for just $12, and all the proceeds go to support widows and orphans through Somebody Cares. We also invite you to join the growing number of women who support widows and orphans with us. You can do that at hergodstory.org by clicking on the Widow and Orphan Fund. As I've mentioned before, we'd love to pray with you on our 24-7 prayer and text line. So you can give us a call or text anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. If you know someone who would benefit from Vicki's story, please share this episode with them. 
And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing adapted from 1 Thessalonians 3.13. May God strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.